What up, guys? D-Love here, episode 91 of the DLSS podcast. Thank you guys for stopping by. Uh, we're just going to do things a little differently this week. It is Saturday. The UFC Vegas 28, uh, a.k.a. UFC Hot Trash, just wrapped up. And I'm just going to have kind of like a stream of consciousness episode where I'm going to go through, not really go in-depth on every single fight one by one, but just give you kind of my takeaways, a few of the actual entertaining fights on the card, a few of the ones I got right. And, man, like I'm not just bitter at the card because I got a lot wrong on the predictions challenge this week don't get me wrong if you guys faded my picks from the last episode you'd probably be a rich man or woman right now but that's not most of it it's like it's it's really the fact that this card was kind of filled with a bunch of people coming off losses people trying to bounce back and get back in the win column as well as a couple debuters and then a few kind of should or get off the pot type fighters where i feel like you know the ufc's got all these fighters on their schedule and they have to offer them a certain number of fights per year so it's kind of like the leftovers and uh, I'm not I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of people that came on, the, you know, came out of this card on the losing end ended up getting their walking papers, to be honest, like Francisco Chinaldo, for, in, for instance, he went up in weight. Damn, I can't believe it. This motherfucker used to, he's so big. Fought, he fought at welterweight tonight when he normally fights at, at lightweight and he also lost his fight. So. No, you know, I don't know where he is in his contract or how many fights he has left on his contract, but that would be one that, uh, you know, given his tenure in the UFC and the number of contracts he's gone through, I wouldn't be surprised if he's not the cheapest of fighters. And again, kind of uh, over the peak of his career on the latter end. So I wouldn't be surprised if someone like him ends up getting his walking papers up coming off a loss. So it's it's just one of those cards. I'm not going to, again, go too in-depth. I'm just going to go through and uh, some of the storylines that pop out because I want to save a little bit of time because this week I am very busy. I got a lot of things going on, so I'm more than likely not going to have time to drop a midweek Wednesday episode uh, for our picks only for next week because we have a, a big card coming. UFC 263 stacked two title fights at the top and also Nate Diaz taking on Leon Edwards in a five round non like non title non main event fight. Um, so it's cool, man. There's a lot of fun fights coming up next week, and I want to make sure to give you guys my picks. And since, again, probably won't be able to drop that midweek episode, we're just going to kind of burn through the, the fights that happened last night or today, actually, because it is Saturday, and then spend most of our time giving you my picks for next week's fight. So before we get into any of that, you got to make sure you guys know this episode and every one of them, in fact, brought to you by Dave DeCourcy and the DeCourcy Group. If you guys need to take any cash out of the equity of your home or if you need to get a loan in order to purchase a home, Please do support the people that support the podcast by going to www.thedecourcygroup.com. That's T-H-E-D-E-C-O-U-R-C-Y group.com. And let them know that the DLSS podcast sent you, and it really does help us out a lot. Also want to give a congratulations to his son, Blake, who's out there killing it, man, training at Team Oyama, training at uh, One Jiu-Jitsu, training at Classic Fight Team, of course, training with John Walker at MMT Fitness. But this kid is not even an adult. He's not even 18 years old. But he wants to pursue fighting, and his dad, Dave, is is fully behind him. But just make sure that he goes out there and gets the good work that he can from all the talented coaches in the area. So I'm just stoked for him. Keep an eye out. Blake the Snake, California Shirtsmiths, is working up a logo and some uh, merchandise for his brand and for his fight kit and stuff like that. So shouts to them as well. But, yeah, so Dave DeCourcy, man, always appreciate the support. And keep kicking ass, Blake. I look forward to seeing you and what you can do with this thing. Which also makes me want to bring up another young man. I mean, he's technically an adult. He is 18. But Colin, I, sorry, Colin, I can't quite pronounce your last name, so I'm not exactly sure how to do it. <laughs> but this young man is a fucking savage. I remember the first time he came into the gym at MMT, and, you know, he had lots of potential, and he was already really immersed and uh, able to pick up the sport of jiu-jitsu very, very quickly. And he's just, he's kind of one of those kids that, 
you know, you don't – he's not, like, bad-intentioned or he's not, like, a bad kid, but he just is – when it's go time, when it's comp- competition time, like, he's not really worried about if he hurts you or your ego or anything like that. He's just out there to execute the techniques as he's been taught and, you know, let the chips fall where they may. And I always respected that about him, even the first few times that we moved around on the mat sparring – you know, obviously I had a lot more stand-up experience before he did uh, at that point. And even, you know, occasionally catching with a jab or a couple things here and there. And I'm like, damn, this kid hits a little hard. And I know he's not even really trying to. And, man, I'm getting up there in age. And I'm like, this fucking – it would frustrate me because I'm like, this damn kid. Like, I, w- I would tell him, you know, the first, I think, month or two when we would spar, I'm like, man – I'm not looking to be out here, you know, when you catch up and then surpass me with skill because you're already, you know, your youth and your 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 abilities already are making me nervous out there and making me have to work. And, you know, I won't go into it, but there's definitely been about a, a nine to ten month span where I haven't really been training at all. And I went back into the gym recently and saw him move around. He was one of the, the guys that broke uh, bats. And I don't know if you checked out MMT TV recently, but they got put up a video with a lot of our team members out there breaking bats and shit uh, with their shins. And, and this, this young man's a savage. So I just want to make sure not to mention, not to forget to mention my boy Colin as well. Blake and Colin, future studs of the next generation. And uh, just keep a good lookout for him, man. That and, of course, my boy Gio, who just made his professional MMA debut last week. A uh, few killers, man, coming up the ranks. So keep an eye out for him. Now let's switch over to UFC Fight Night Hot Trash from last night, Rosenstruck versus Sakai. Uh, with the card that, again, didn't have some lackluster ex- performances, in my opinion. I'm not going to lie. Uh, a couple of them were putting me to sleep, and that's not normally the case. I'm normally, you know, intrigued, even if it is, you know, predominantly grappling or things of like that nature that aren't as exciting to other people. I'm normally able to stay engaged, but this this card, man, it just disappointed me in so many ways. But if we're going to talk about it, I might as well start talking about the most exciting fight on the card, which was the fight of the night. One of the few that I did get right, uh, not with the outcome, but with it being fight of the night, Miguel Baeza versus Santiago Ponzinibbio. If you watched this first round and watch Miguel Baeza work, it's such an instructional on how to counter a jab, how to counter someone that is, you know, heavier uh, heavier weighted down in their lower half. I won't quite call Ponzinibbio flat-footed, but someone that's, you know, powerful and, and, and comes forward and is trying to cut you off and trying to walk you down. Every single time you have a high guard, you're moving backwards, taking angles, and every single time Ponzinibbio threw a jab, uh, Baeza would counter with a low calf kick or an inside calf kick, inside leg kick. He was just able to stay safe through all of the upper body exchanges and all the uh, punches that Santiago was throwing and be able to counter really hard with some good leg kicks and was essentially like walking away with this fight in the first round. You know, you could tell Ponzinibbio's footwork and his ability to stand and put pressure on that lead leg was affected. And uh, he was just, Baeza was just chipping him from the outside, moving around again, taking angles and keeping himself safe, keeping his back off the fence. But he was landing a couple clean right hands. He was just a crisper, faster striker. Um, And every time Ponzinibbio was getting off, um, Baeza just had that high guard and was able to shoulder roll most of the punches and Typically in MMA, a lot of those can get through, but Baeza, man, I think he maybe got caught like one or two clean strikes the whole first round. So I felt like this was just going to be a sign for things to come and then it was just going to continue to waterfall, continue to affect Ponzinibbio's movement, his ability to put pressure on that lead leg. And when you can't put weight on your lead leg and one of your attributes is to throw heavy, hard boxing combinations, it's, it's going to take a lot of the sting off your punches. It's going to make it difficult for you to get in position in order to land those punches because he was Ponzinibbio was the 
the he was shorter. I don't I don't remember the reach exactly, but it was definitely clear towards the beginning part of this fight that uh, Baeza had a more uh, had more of an array of different uh, offensive strikes in terms of like boxing kicks, knees, and things of that nature. Where Ponzinibbio was just trying to get on the inside and execute his heavy-handed striking. Um, he did start to Ponzinibbio started to throw some kicks uh, himself throughout the course of the fight, and the second round uh, towards the second half of the second round. It really, the momentum really started to shift into uh, Ponzinibbio's favor. Uh, again, this this fight didn't he didn't run away with it, and even towards the end of the fight, I thought Baeza might have still etched out a decision. It did end up being fight of the night, as I mentioned. So down to the last second, they're just standing in the middle trading. It was a phenomenal fight. It was just a pleasure to watch, and uh, as the commentator said at the end, like we the fans won basically, regardless of who comes out the victor in the fight. So. Um, I hope you guys had a chance to check that one out. If not, I definitely recommend going back and checking out the highlights there. But uh, Santiago Ponzinibbio comes away. I believe it was a split decision. I have to double-check that. Again, just kind of running through these things off of top of mind. But it was definitely the most exciting fight on the uh, on the card. Slowly heated up after the first round. Got crazy in the second. And then the end of the third was just all-out craziness. So, uh, again, make sure to check out the highlights for that one. But ultimately, congratulations to Santiago Ponzinibbio coming back after over two years without a win he even expressed as much in his post fight uh his post fight interview how frustrated he was it was like 26 months without a fight he had i think like a blood infection and some bone issues and like he was just all over the spectrum in terms of some health problems that kept him from competing and then obviously covid and everything like that uh just really been pent up aggression pent up energy he's coming off a loss to jing uh ling the leech lee jing lang and, um, you know, before that, he was basically a lot of people were talking about him being next uh, for fighting for the title in the next one or two fights, next one or two wins, because before he took a long layoff and then came back and took that loss to the leech. He beat um, Neil Magny, who's looked great. And he I think he was on like a five or six fight winning streak uh, before that. So. Um, he did take that time off, come back, drop the loss to Li Jing Lang. He's been doing a lot of commentary work and outside the Octagon endeavors and just keeping himself busy and engaged with the sport, but just wasn't even able to train for a long time and then was able to put together a training camp, like I said, after 26 months off, come back and get a victory finally. So it wasn't easy. He had to fight for it. Again, myself included, I think some people could make an argument for Baeza winning this fight as well, but it was close enough to where, you know, I think the right guy, you know, either way would have been the victor, you know, if it wasn't a draw. It was just that close, so you can't really argue with it, although a little bitter about it. But I'm happy for the guy, veteran of the game, came back, bounced back, got in the win column, and we'll see if he can uh, take this win and and put himself back into the conversation for a potential title shot here in the next few few fights. But, of course, we're going to have to see what happens with the freshly announced rematch. Colby Covington's taking on Kamara Usman. Um, I'm not exactly sure. I think August? Fuck, I should have that in front of me right now. But, yeah, they just officially announced that they're going to run that back. That one was super close going into the fifth round. Two judges had it opposite. One judge had it 2-2. So, as close as you can get. Of course, Kamara Usman finishing Colby you know, controversially to some people at the end of the fifth round. So uh, really interested to see how that shakes out. And then we're going to have to take a look at the top of the division because there's going to be a, a decent amount of people ready to face uh, each other to, f you know, fend for that title shot. So we'll see where Ponzinibbio falls in that crowd and where everything goes after that. But really looking forward to that rematch. So I guess we'll see what happens. Oh, and I guess it's September that they're targeting. So only a couple months away. So I'll pump for that. Oh, man, there's actually a lot of fun fights coming in the next few months. Ju June is pretty stacked and July is stacked. So let's go. 
Uh, but we're moving on the card now. Honestly, I think I'm just going to go in the order of most exciting. Like the fight of the night was the most exciting. And then to me personally, the second fight that was most exciting was actually down underneath uh, the fight of the night. Actually, one fight before it, Dusko Todorovic versus Gregory Rodriguez. This fight was a back and forth brawl, man. I'm surprised. Like this one I thought was going to be fight of the night, to be honest with you. Uh, me, Nate, and Jose and our little Slack channel were also in agreement that this one was pretty fucking awesome. And uh, Todorovic's got a hell of a chin, man. He could take a lot of hard shots. And until towards the end of the fight, it didn't even look like he was wearing any of the damage. And um, I felt like he was he was crisp. He had some good counters. He landed a lot of really clean shots on Rodriguez as well. But Rodriguez, for being a lesser-known guy, man, uh, I, he came out of nowhere for me. He was not on my radar. He was huge as fuck for the weight class. Todorovic's not a tiny... Uh, He's not a tiny middleweight, so uh, Rodriguez was was definitely jacked. But he went in there and he was explosive. He was I felt like he was one of those guys that was landing clean hard counters, but he was also coming forward and landing some clean shots, like offensively going first. And then whenever Todorovic would have to kind of try to sit in the pocket a little bit longer and counter hard to land something clean, just to kind of maybe edge out the combinations or edge out the striking exchanges just a little bit because he knew he was like slightly losing them. As soon as you saw Todorovic turn it up, sit down on his punches and land. A couple hard-ass shots. Immediately, Rodriguez came back and he, like upped the intensity just a little bit more. And so no matter what Todorovic could do, uh, Rodriguez had an answer for it. And although, again, uh, both of them landed, they both had success at certain points in the fight. Um, I think it ended up actually going unanimous, which I thought this one could have easily been a split decision. But long story short, this one was super exciting. And of the few fights on the card that I would recommend going back and checking the highlights, this is definitely one of them. Not nearly as many strikes thrown and landed as uh, the fight of the night, Ponzinibbio versus Baeza. However, still 71 strikes landed by Rodriguez. And it only accounts for 37 significant strikes for Todorovic, but I feel like he landed more than that. But Rodriguez landed three different takedowns throughout the fight. Didn't really do too much with him but at the same token he did mix it up and uh, I guess it ended up yeah being unanimous again I thought this was a pretty close fight um, but Rodriguez definitely the right guy won and again coming out of nowhere not on my radar I'm really uh, going to be anticipating seeing who he fights next because Todorovic is no slouch he's been doing great up till this point uh, both faced uh, or I'm sorry Todorovic has faced some tough competitions so far in his UFC career and so I felt like this was an opportunity for him to uh, showcase his skills and get himself into the win column but Rodriguez had a lot to say about that and again I'm really excited to see who they put him up against next. He's a big-ass welterweight. I'm sorry, middleweight. And, uh, yeah, powerful as fuck. And he didn't seem to gas down the stretch either. So let's see where this goes. But I guess I should probably spend a few minutes on the main event and the co-main event. Don't mean to disrespect these guys. Just the entire card, you know, just... I don't know, from a fan standpoint, obviously these guys go in there and put their lives at risk and they're high-level fighters or else they wouldn't even be in the UFC. So I'm not trying to shit on them in that way, but as far as like an excitement and entertainment and engagement level, like, you know, only a few of the fights really did it for me, so to speak. And I'm a hardcore fan. I don't miss a fucking UFC card. So for me to say that, you know, no offense to this card, maybe I'm a little bit checked out, but I do have a couple other guys that I, I throw ideas back and forth with, Nate and Jose, and they both kind of thought it was a stinker as well. Again, don't mean to shit on the card but uh the main event was over with one second left in the first round which is you know you would think with a ko or a tko knockout with one second left in the very first round like you would think that that would be a recipe for excitement right well it was not so much there was 16 strikes total alone uh thrown by uh jarzinho and three strikes 
thrown by Sakai. So it was just almost kind of like one of those feeling out rounds, especially with a five-round fight. Sometimes they do that, and there wasn't a whole lot going on. And at the very end, uh, Sakai took a couple you know, chipping left hooks while he was up against the fence, and then a hard right hand that dropped him, and then a couple ground-and-pound follow-up shots. And it just, I don't know, it seemed like a glancing blow. It just, Maybe that's one of the weird things about Jarzinho. Like when he knocked out... Um, it was Arlovsky with a check left hook, and sometimes when he knocks these guys out, it looks like he barely even touches them. And like, I don't know. I, I I've been in there before where I've hit someone on the tip of the chin, and when you're actually the one doing it, yeah, it feels like you almost miss. Like, there's not a whole lot of resistance there, so it can be a little strange. But from the outside, a lot of times you'll see it be more of an impactful shot. So again, not to dismiss the level of uh, you know skill that these guys both bring bring to the t- table compared to me as an individual, but from an entertainment standpoint, this fight was kind of like, meh, meh, meh. it was just like, all right, well, I guess that's the way it goes. But the fight before that, uh, the co-main event did have some kind of like drama back and forth momentum swings. And that's exactly how I predicted it last week. However, I did think that it was going to take at least into the second round for the momentum to shift and for the tide to turn. Marcin Tybura versus Walt Harris. Walt Harris, as he does, came out very explosive, very powerful. Um, in the very first round, you know, lands 23 significant strikes on Tybura to Tybura's four significant strikes. I mean, that's incredible. But Tybura, you know, three-quarters of the way through the round, even stated by the commentators in Tybura's corner himself and in my breakdown that he was going to have to essentially weather an early storm and and stay safe under that crazy power of Walt Harris uh, early, but then eventually would be able to turn the tide and either uh, if Walt Harris got too tired, would they would be able to wrestle him and utilize his, his jujitsu or and or repeat what he did in his last fight when Tybura uh, TKO'd Greg Hardy in the second round after weathering that storm and Greg Hardy getting tired. So I felt like it was a similar recipe that had to play out here. That's the way it went down, but it just all kind of condensed itself and happened within the confines of the first round instead of a little bit, you know, having to develop a little bit later into the fight. But congratulations to Ty Burra because he's now on a five-fight winning streak. Um, Sucks for Walt Harris, but again, he has kind of gotten skyrocketed up the division given, you know, his notoriety and some unfortunate things that have happened outside the octagon that, you know, has given him some... some, like people know him and they want to root for him and he's a fan favorite and he does have a lot of first round knockouts and of course he's good otherwise he wouldn't be here but he has gotten pushed a little bit too quickly so i think he needs to go back take a step back in competition square up his ability to shore up that ability to measure and manage the fight over the long term over three rounds and hopefully you know for him and his career one day five rounds but uh, that's that's what he's got to do but for Tybura five fights in a row he's uh he beat he was number 11 he beat Walt Harris who was number eight and so uh Tybura is going to be moving up the ranks and I'm really excited to see who he faces in the top 10. Sakai was number nine and so he's probably going to drop and then Tybura is going to move up like I said in the top 10 you have Chris Dacus, skip over Sakai and Harris. Then you have, obviously, Jarzinho's number six, and he just got that win over Sakai, so I'm not sure where he's going to go. Number five is Alexander Volkov, then Curtis Blades, Cyril Gan, and then Derek Lewis, Stipe, and the champ. So with John Jones looming over the Division two, that kind of puts somewhat of a wrench into the whole thing. But, yeah, man, there's a lot of interesting fights they could, they could put him up against next. But aside from that, I'm just going to read off the rest of the results. Roman Delize got a three-round unanimous decision, five takedowns. He he just basically had three rounds of top control, barely any in any danger at any point during the fight. 
Uh, Lorenio Storopoli definitely just needs to work on his takedown defense. Everything else seems to be sharp. So we'll see where both these guys go from here. We talked about Ponzinibbio Baeza. We talked about Todorovic versus Rodriguez. Montana De La Rosa ends up getting a second-round TKO on Ariana Lipsky. This fight I was telling the boys, like, fuck, just as all Lipsky has to do is stay on the feet. And even though she only landed 11 significant strikes during the course of the whole two rounds, she landed some hard overhand rights. She was hurting De La Rosa on the feet. Had De La Rosa shooting for her life but when she got it to the ground she was all pressure all control Lipsky had no answers for it she was able to pass and eventually TKO her in the second round and then Elia Latifi Tanner Bozer fucking so angry at this fight I think Elia Latifi of course won the third round I couldn't give him a 10-8 because he didn't inflict much damage, but he did have top control for the entire third round. But before that, Tanner Bozer just tore him up both first and second round, in my opinion. And I don't have any clue how two of these three judges could have had it for Latifi, but it was a split decision. Again, you check verdict.com or you check check uh, like all the media outlets that cover this fight. I'm going to confidently say overwhelmingly most of them thought Bozer won, but... It is what it is. I don't know what to tell you. So moving on, one of the other veterans I was hoping to get the underdog points. As I mentioned earlier in the podcast, Francisco Trinaldo drops unanimous decision to Muslim Salikov. Salikov looked big. Trinaldo was moving up in weight, as I mentioned, but he didn't look small. He just looked a little short, and his reach was a little bit less. But he was landing a lot of clean left hands early and did a good job to make it a tough fight for the bigger, more powerful well to welt Salikov. Ultimately, uh, 62 to 39 was a significant strike total in Salikov's favor, and he did what he had to do, and he got the unanimous decision. Then Kamwella Kirk takes out Mach 1 Americani in his uh, UFC debut. This is one that I guess I could have touched on earlier as far as storylines, but yeah, good for him, man. To take out someone like Americani in his UFC debut, I'll be really interested to see where this guy could take his career uh, at featherweight because Americani is a veteran of the game. He's good everywhere. He's good at submissions. He's, I mean, obviously he prefers the grappling, wrestling, and submission game, but He's a talented striker as well, but unanimous decision victory for Camilla Kirk, so good for him. And then Alan Patrick versus Mason Jones. Mason Jones was destroying Alan Patrick, and then it was it ended up being a no decision because of a um, or a no contest because of an accidental eye poke towards the end of the second round. Uh, Alan Patrick wanted the fuck out of there and said he couldn't see. Maybe he couldn't see. Probably couldn't see. But Mason Jones unintentionally did it. The ref uh, Tyone knew it was unintentional, but unfortunately, because not. Uh, I think it's because you have to get into the third round, I believe. I have to double-check that on this segment rules. I should probably cover this. I personally thought as if you get halfway through the fight or halfway through the second round, and if there's only 2 minutes and 14 seconds left of the second round, of a 5-minute round, that means you've gotten through half of the second round. So I guess I was wrong there. So I will have to double-check that. My, I don't know if I didn't make that clear, but my, my normal understanding is if you got past that, you could go to the judge's scorecard um, to, to ultimately judge the outcome if it was unintentional versus it being a no contest this one was a no contest so again i'll have to double check that unfortunately like an underwhelming outcome to this fight because mason jones was going in there and doing work uh patrick is unex- is very explosive he's experienced and he's you know he's powerful so you know he's unorthodox and he just goes for it as they were saying in the commentary so a few interesting exchanges a few exciting back and forth but again mason jones was on a clear path to victory in this fight and it sucks for him because he doesn't get that win bonus and you know it was at least clear to me as a fan that 
Alan Patrick wanted the fuck out of there. And, and Mason Jones was definitely going to win this fight. So as far as, like, stock and, like, public opinion, Mason Jones won that fight. All right, so, and then moving on. Again, I guess you could probably understand why I wasn't too happy with this card because the next one didn't go my way as well. Big fan of Yusuf Zalal coming at 42 to 40 significant strikes and two takedowns landed by Zalal. But, um... Submission attempts was on the side of Sean Woodson at the end, I believe, of the second and the third round. And so when Yusuf Salah was working up the grappling up against the fence and did execute those takedowns, it was, you know, he wasn't able to do much with him. So I feel like the judges actually got that right, even though I'm, you know, obviously wanted Salah to win, but because they were relatively even on the feet, 40 to 42, right? With Woodson being as tall and as long as he is, that was a hell of an effort for, for Zalal to be able to make it difficult and not stand still and to be able to land even two more strikes, significant strikes on Woodson, uh, given his boxing pedigree and his uh, height and reach advantage. But again, with the grappling, it kind of was a stalemate up against the fence a lot, even though Zalal was slowing down the fight and controlling Woodson up against the fence. But the two times he did ultimately get him to the ground, as I just mentioned, he wasn't able to inflict any damage. He wasn't really able to do much with it. And at the end of the second and third round, it got to the ground for, you know, 30 seconds, a minute, I'm not exactly sure, but a short period of time where Woodson was automatically attacking submissions and almost finished the fight, I think, at the end of the second round. So all things being equal and him actually, you know, providing a threat while being on the ground. And I think the judges, unfortunately for my pick, but just, you know, good overall, got the right, the right person won this fight. It was a split decision, but Sean Woodson comes away with the victory. And the first fight of the night, Claudio Puelez, uh, also kind of similar to Kumel Kirk and to um, Gregory Rodriguez, kind of came out of nowhere for me again. A few debuters, a bunch of people coming off losses, and some veterans that, you know, need to shit or get off the pot. So Claudio Puelez, Kumela Kirk, and Gregory Rodriguez were some up-and-comers and some new guys in the UFC that, you know, made a splash and were able to progress their career. And Puelez beats Jordan Levitt, who's also newer to the UFC. I think it was his third fight in the UFC. He's the one that I really like. I like his personality. I like the way that he, he kind of approaches the game, kind of like a Ryan Hall, very cerebral. He's a jiu-jitsu heavy guy. Both these guys actually have very high-level jiu-jitsu and grappling, so there was a lot of cool scrambles in this fight. I actually found it quite entertaining, but then over the course of the fight, through the second and then into the third round, Claudio Puelas clearly had, I was out hustling uh, Jordan Levitt, which is what they were saying in the commentary as well, but it was very clear that they both had the skills, but the intensity was turning up uh, for Puelas over the course of the fight, while Jordan was content to just kind of try to play jujitsu off his back and look for submissions and was ultimately getting controlled on the bottom for the majority of the fight. So even though they were even in the strikes, 20 to 21 in significant strikes, Puelas was able to execute four takedowns to Jordan's two and, like I said, had most of the top control throughout the fight. So ended up getting the decision win, so congratulations to him. And that's the card, guys. Burn through it. Try to make it quick and easy for you guys because I'm going to take a quick break come back and then just dive deep and give you my picks for UFC 263. We got two title fights. Israel Adesanya's got a rematch against his most difficult test in the 185-pound division in his entire UFC career, Marvin Vittori. And then the co-main event is a rematch of a draw of the last flyweight title fight between uh, Davison Figueredo and Brandon Moreno. That one I'm very, very excited for. And then underneath that, as I mentioned earlier, we got Nate Diaz coming back to take on Leon Edwards in a five-round fight that's not a title fight and not a main event. So I believe that's the first time that's ever happened in UFC. Nate Diaz does whatever the fuck he wants, and you all know if he gets you later into the fight, later into the fight, you are tired. He is not, and that's 
when he's most dangerous. So I guess you guys can probably already tell which way I'm going on that one. But I'm also going to peel back the curtain a little bit. I'm actually, I'm going to take a quick break, but it's going to be actually 24 hours. I'm going to come back tomorrow, Sunday, and then I'll give you my picks. Because I also want to check out the spectacle, the circus that is Floyd Mayweather versus Logan Paul tomorrow. So I'm going to be checking that out. And as soon as that wraps, I'm going to pop on here, give you my immediate reaction from that fight, I guess, quote-unquote, that exhibition match, and then immediately jump into my picks for UFC 263. So uh, right now, I'll say give me just one quick second, but uh, I'll actually time travel to tomorrow. So uh, stand by. I'll be right back. Boom, quick trip around the sun, and we're back 24 hours later. It's now Sunday, but I lied. I couldn't wait. I'm going to just actually record myself listening to this circus that is Logan Paul versus Floyd Mayweather rather than waiting for it to wrap up. As I said, I'm just going to actually have you guys you know, ride along with me and see how this goes. Um, a couple awesome fights so far. We had the two actual boxing matches that went down. And then earlier, Ocho Cinco, man, he actually lasted all four rounds, uh, landed a couple flush punches in the first round, and then got dropped in the fourth, beat the count, and got up. Granted, his opponent kind of laid off for the last part of that round. Just You know, it is an exhibition. They're out there to have fun. But congrats to him for testing himself, going out there and, you know, showing his mettle. He did pretty good. There was some points where he was moving on the outside, kind of just like, I don't want to say, you know, stalling, but keeping himself safe and biding his time and staying out of the danger that was that multi-talented, multiple different combat sports opponent that he had out there. So good on him for, again, testing himself and being able to last all four rounds. When did I mention it's been pouring rain torrential downpour like here it's like it's miami it's florida so it's on and off but they've had to stop multiple fights for like rain delay and have to wipe the canvas and so i'm i don't know man i'm in, i'm intrigued to see if this is actually going to affect the main event in any way but they're just about to start their walkouts now though so i'm going to bring in the audio and then we'll be off and running at hard rock stadium ahead of his main event showdown all right so floyd still warming Logan up in the back Paul. I mean, talk about a guy who has just excelled at the highest level of prize fighting. He's defeated 22 world champions over the course of his illustrious career. And now here, here is go. Jimmy Lennon Jr. And there's Jake Paul. Ladies yeah, Jake was allowed in the building. He found a way in. He's sitting there behaving himself. That's interesting. <laughs> It's time for Floyd Mayweather versus Logan Paul. I'm going to let these this broadcast team do my job for me. I'm only going to chime in when there's something of note. Let's see what let's see what their walkout. I mean, I bet Logan's probably going to have his traditional yellow. I don't know why he's just such a fan of yellow. You fucking see him yellow everything. Him and his brother actually. We'll see. I doubt either a pull Deontay. Speaking of Guys, interested. They they made Deontay. I'm uh, sorry. They made Fury Joshua, and then Deontay Wilder invoked the rematch clause. So now they got a Fury's got to go fight Wilder for a third time. I think it's coming soon too. Okay. Yep. Yellow. Yellow and black. Silk robe. Black and yellow. Black and yellow. His brother is here as well. He's undefeated as a professional boxer. Jake Palm, 3-0, having just knocked out Ben Askren in April. He matches up against Tyron Woodley. Tyron. At the end of August. Tyron. Everyone says Tyrone and Tyron. It's Tyron. Who is the older brother of Jake Paul. 
Owen one is a professional. And now making his way to the multi-talented, multi-skilled, worldwide social media sensation, Logan the Maverick Paul. Logan Paul, relax, calm, cool. But you got to wonder what's going through his mind. He's, he's walking out to the greatest showman as he makes that walk to the ring. And the fans have come out. They are energetic, enthusiastic. Here is Logan Paul making his way to the ring ahead of his main event affair against Floyd Money Mayweather. Well, listen. To be able to step inside the ring and look at Floyd Mayweather across from you, you've accomplished something. What has he accomplished? He has we don't a know. sizable following on social media. He's an entertainer. Our world is changing when it comes to entertainment. Logan Paul. Yeah, they could sell us wolf tickets now, and we don't care. Standpoint when it comes to that. And Logan Paul, ready to make his walk into the ring. There is Logan Paul, 26 years of age, as he gets set to collide against Floyd Money Mayweather in this eight-round exhibition. Thousands on hands here at Hard Rock Stadium in Miami. South Beach is buzzing for this one. It is Mayweather and Logan Paul. And now we await... The 50-0 five-division world champion in Floyd Money Mayweather. Logan's in the ring. Jake is sitting quietly in his chair on the side. Logan Paul, his only professional fight was a loss at the hands of KSI. Who? That yeah, was back exactly. in November of 2019 in Los Angeles. He's absorbing all this as he should. What a moment. For Logan Paul here tonight against Floyd Mayweather. Funny, I think Floyd has walked out in non-coronavirus times with like a full-on mask on. If I don't, I, I could and be wrong there. Maybe I'm just thinking of Deontay. But let's see. Migos. Oh, Migos. All right. Let's get some house audio, guys. 
going on here. So there is Logan Paul and Migos. They are out in front, and Floyd Mayweather will be making his ring walk momentarily. But they have Miami buzzing Veteran move. He's icing them. As the fans He's icing them, making them wait. Had his adrenaline dump from his walkout. Now he's just sitting in the corner. Can be involved in an exhibition like this. Icing him. And still generate a sizable fan following just goes to show you the star power of Floyd Mayweather and the intrigue when it comes to the Paul brothers. All right. Logan Paul yep. taking some time, and this is rolling around the ring. Customary Floyd tactics. Having a group come out and making his opponent wait. And again, Floyd nope. has been the A side for a long time. Make no mistake about it. Floyd Mayweather, he has faced 22 different world champions, 24 wins over. Now he's taking his sweet ass time. The last 15 fights of his pro career all happened in Las Vegas. This will be the second time that he's fighting here in Miami. And Floyd Mayweather, 50 and 0, has the most wins without a loss or a draw of any champion in history. Others, Joe Calzaghe, 46 and 0. Ricardo Lopez, 51, 0 and 1. But Floyd, 50 and 0. As the Migos. Can we play this song like three times in a row? Well, back to back. Walking out. Harold Lettermann. Uh, not Harold Lettermann. Um, Floyd's. Looks absolutely like manager. Shredded. God, I can't think of his name. Fantastic the hell? physical shape. Paul Pierce in the house as well. Paul Pierce enjoying this. Enjoying South Beach. Talk about the celebrities that have come out for this one. And they, they promised the show, and no doubt they have done that, at least with the ring entrances, and Floyd hasn't even come out yet. I wonder if the rain stopped. Doesn't seem to be too bad. They haven't said much about it in a minute. All right, Logan, doing the loose, loose shoulders, McGregor move. So the Migos getting the crowd riled up. Oh, and there, there he is. is. He's got a mask on. Floyd Money Mayweather. Traditional kind of tracksuit attire. To make his ring having all the Miami colors. He's got green, green and white. Towel over the shoulders. Logan black hat. Paul. Black mask. Let's see. Floyd Mayweather obviously with a large entourage yeah, as he like does. 50 people around him. Floyd soaking all of this in. There also with his cousin Dewan Blake. They're showing luminaries of Vander Holyfield in the house. Jake Paul, Ryan Garcia. 
Some booze cascading. Paul Pierce. The 2008 right, NBA Finals it. MVP. Just showing Floyd in the tunnel. I don't know what's Floyd going on. Mayweather awaiting that ring walk. And now, ladies and gentlemen, accompanied by Repsar Money Bag, yo, here is boxing's former five-division world champion, Hall of Famer, all-time great, the undefeated Floyd Money Mayweather. A favorable response. For Floyd Money Mayweather, the highest grossing prize fighter of all time. And of Floyd Money Mayweather, he has done this 50 times over again. Beating the likes of Manny Pacquiao, Oscar De La Hoya, Ricky Hatton. You can go down the list. Marcos Maidana, Canelo Alvarez. The late, great Diego Chico Corrales. The late, great Arturo Thunder Gatti. Floyd Mayweather has been at the pinnacle of the sport. Uh, I had to look at his master's well bet online. <laughs> two plus decades. Oh, mm, making that money. And even at 44 years of age, Floyd Mayweather, even in an exhibition, draws a crowd, draws attention, and is a consummate entertainer. He lives a lavish lifestyle, but he has earned every single penny by what he yeah, has been able to do. How many people are with him in that, as a prize with that ring walk? Floyd said, before there was even YouTube, I was kicking ass in the boxing ring. And oh yeah, they're having a good time here in Miami. But Floyd is no stranger to the big stage whatsoever. He has done it well over. I think I've been recording on this for like 10, 15 minutes already possibly. Floyd is just now getting in the ring. Here at Hard Rock Stadium ahead of his main event matchup against Logan Paul, making sure that he takes care of his feet, dries them off. And Floyd Money Mayweather inside the ring. Ahead here of his matchup against Logan Paul here in Miami. A favorable response for the five-division world champion, the Hall of Famer, Floyd Money Mayweather. Here we go. And, man, I, I, I don't know, man. Sixth, seventh round. Depends on how Logan wants to play Let's it. The harder he tries, the faster this ends. We'll see. Logan holds his left hand really low, and you, you all know how fast Floyd is with that pull, too. So, I don't know. I posted the finish on my IG already, even though it hasn't happened yet. Go check it out. Typically, it'd be Roger in his corner or his father, Floyd Sr., but that is obviously Roger passed away last year. But now let's take a look at our tail of the tape for this, our main event and exhibition matchup. You see that 155 to 183 and a half. Logan Paul, the weight disparity to 34 in favor of Logan Paul and the reach advantage in favor of Logan Paul as well. What's going to happen? Who knows? 
but we're about to find out. This is an eight-round exhibition again. The only way you can win is by knockout. No judge is present in this main event. Here's Jimmy. And gentlemen, we welcome you to Hard Rock Stadium here in Miami, Florida for the featured bout of the evening brought to you by Mayweather Promotions, Fan Mio, Mav Athletics, and Showtime Pay-Per-View. Leonard Ellerby. Gosh, I couldn't think of his name. Just came to me finally. Finance app for the App Store. Send, spend, save, or invest your money easily. Download Cash App for free now and use promo code BOXING for $10. Wow. Look at just standing there with his mouth open, tongue out. There is only one mm. rule. Stay alive. Only in theaters July 16th. Full head of hair. Floyd Mayweather. Sportsbook. Bet with the only top-rated sportsbook that matters. Well, fans, tonight's action is under the supervision of the Florida State Boxing Commission. The chairman is Dr. Mark Williams, Executive Director Patrick Cunningham. Introducing our third man in the ring, the referee in charge of this bout, we have Samuel Burgos. Ooh. All right, fans, here we go. With the main event of the evening, eight rounds of boxing scheduled in a special event exhibition. And now, ladies and gentlemen in attendance, and boxing fans joining us around the world, live from Hard Rock Stadium in Miami, Florida, it's showtime! <laughs> Introducing to you first on my right, fighting out of the red corner, wearing yellow trunks with black trim, Fighting out of Dorado, Puerto Rico. It's one of those weird times when, like, before a fight starts, and I've never had it quite like this, where it's like, I can't believe this fight's about to happen right now. It's just a surreal feeling. Like McGregor Mayweather, I was like, I can't believe this shit's happening. In a different way, but this one, similar, similar feeling. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight making his Showtime debut, introducing Logan, the Maverick Paul. He said he's going to go out there and win, and then the entire simulation is going to explode. And his opponent across the ring, fighting out of the blue corner, wearing green trunks with white trim, fighting out of Las Vegas, Nevada. He weighed in at He's walking around the ring. It's my pounds. ring, motherfucker. Undefeated in his remarkable campaign to the ring, his record stands as a professional at 50 wins, no losses, 27 wins coming by way of knockout, a veteran of 26 world title appearances, tonight he returns to the ring. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the International Boxing Hall of Famer, the sport's undisputed all-time top attraction, introducing the 11-time five-division champion of the world, the one, the only, Floyd Money Mayweather. All right. Chief second. Chief second only. And once again, our referee in charge now to give instructions, Samuel Burgos. Sam Burgos, referee in charge. Gave the instructions on the back. Obey my command and protect yourself at all times. Any questions? Right here, let's go. Here we go. Touch him if you like. They touch him up. All 
right. Well, this is why we came here to Hard Rock Stadium in Miami. Floyd Money Mayweather, Logan Paul in this eight-round exhibition. What a crowd you would think that it's a pound-for-pound matchup between two of the sports elite, and it is against... One of the sports elite and Floyd Money Mayweather. Oh, shit. And Logan so Paul, much bigger. That's <laughs> crazy. Who is the social media star. And I think he's already Logan smiling. smiling. Yeah. Look at that. The difference when it comes to. If Logan tries size. to take his time and box from the outside, I think it'll go a few rounds Floyd just for Mayweather. Floyd to download, decide how he wants to get it done. Ooh, Floyd's fainting and trying to get inside. With the jab, known as the Maverick. Logan's throwing a few flick jabs. Up. Flick jabs to the body. Floyd's fainting, trying to get a reaction, trying to, trying to get inside. Man, it's so crazy to see this. So much bigger. There's Ooh. a left hook there. As Floyd throws a left hook. Floyd Logan had him on the ropes for a second, through a right. Floyd gets out the way. Logan Paul waiting back. And okay, this is you know, Logan Paul is going in uh, cautiously. Floyd just. Relaxing, looking at the different looks that he's seen from Logan Paul. Went underneath the one-two. Rolled underneath the arm and then turned him. Now back in the center of the ring. Double jab there by Floyd Mayweather. Logan's kind of doing that. Swinging low left hand, flicking out body jabs. Tried to do it to the body, and Floyd countered with the left hook. I think it just barely touched the nose of Logan. That speed. There's a reason why he was undefeated at 50 and 0 as a professional, and he vanquished 22 world champions over the course. Floyd's faster, but Logan's got that use for those reflexes. He's pretty quick with the jab, at least. Using his size, trying to push him around a little bit. They got into a bit of a clinch. Floyd slick on the outside, though. Back of the head, Floyd's just covering up. High guard, Logan's just going ape shit. Everything lands on the guard. Floyd's fine, but still a little bit of a crazy brawl, a crazy uh, flurry there from Logan. Listen in the corner of Floyd Mayweather. 
weather. Carol Tucker there. Jake Paul, look at his brother, Jake, very excited, urging on his brother. He was so much taller than him. One of the shots I felt like was like a clubbing punch to the back of the head. The Floyd had a high guard and it was like a couple, bunch of looping hooks. Didn't seem to take much, any, anything clean. So here we go, round two. In this main event. Jab there by Logan Paul. <laughs> we'll see if Mayweather tries to attack the body of Logan Paul. Floyd known for that stabbing jam that was so effective over the course of his career. And Floyd obviously a defensive wizard. Throws that jab right to the midsection. Stick of in the body Logan by Paul. Floyd. Another stiff jab there by Floyd. Ooh. Elapsed off the clock in the second round. And Sam Burgos telling Logan Paul, not with the back of the glove, straight bunches is what I want to see. Double jab nope. there by Logan Slips Paul. Slips three jabs. That raising shots. Now Floyd is starting to walk down Logan Paul and some ring generalship. It's, it's almost like he's smiling. You know he's enjoying this. I mean, the stage of this magnitude, once you fight at this extremely high level, this kind of attention, it's infectious. And Floyd Mayweather did it so well many times over Oops, again. Slip a few jabs, step inside, of the, un, inside and underneath and the right hand. Logan Paul about hitting behind the head. It's nothing that he wants to see. got a little bit of a more of an open uh, defensive stance we didn't really see that too much he had that shell of a defense final 45 seconds of this second round i don't really think floyd has thrown anything uh, too vicious thus far in the first couple rounds floyd's last fight a uh, professional fight a 10th round tko over conor mcgregor In August of 2018. Floyd's just slowly walking down. He's just fainting. He's getting Logan to react. He's trying to figure out his best way inside. Keeps slipping the jab. Sticks a couple jabs to the body himself. Logan landed like a right hand with nothing on it because he was out of position. Near the end of the second round here in Miami. That ends the second. Well, the fans starting to boo.
Jackson and Chad Ochocinco Johnson, who earlier tonight was involved in an exhibition himself. There is Matt Barnes. Round three. Popular podcast. When it comes to NBA discussion and revisiting the history of the NBA. Round number three, this one is scheduled for eight in this exhibition between Logan Paul and Floyd Mayweather. Now Paul trying to throw that right hand. Floyd got out of the way. Oh, yeah. Floyd now has a little bit of a tight guard up top trying to show Logan Paul different looks. Now Floyd plodding uh, forward. He's weighing on him. He's trying to use his size. Doing what he can, I guess. Right back in the mix, and now they're holding. And Floyd Mayweather trying to push off. He's warning both of them about holding. Floyd with that tight guard. Reminds me of that of Winky Wright when he used to do that. Now, Burgos. There's a right hand on the side of the head by Floyd. He's waiting on him. Time being called. He's warning Logan Paul and Floyd Mayweather about keeping him, keeping it clean. Yeah, they yeah, I was going to say the same thing. They're wrestling right now. the two well I mean you don't know where you're going to get when it comes to a 34 and a half weight difference the fact that Floyd is 34 oh, I mean, right hand missed a bit of skill. And Logan now the wrestling again tough kid hungry and you know he's made his name on social media with the Wonder if Floyd's trying to wear out Logan or if Logan's he's the young oh has a good right hook to the body inside by Floyd. Floyd is pressuring him this round. He's getting it on the inside. He's turning this into a wrestling match, which you would think he'd, he'd want to avoid that, but he's put pushing into the inside. He's pressing forward high go. Oh! Good left hook by Floyd. Best punch of the fight by Mayweather. Another right uppercut. Backing up is Logan Paul. Ooh, another good left hook. Floyd's just walking in. High guard. Had a couple quick shots on coming inside. Little chopping left that hook. was the best punch of the fight for Mayweather. Take a look at the second look at it. Boom, right there on the jaw. 
And credit to Logan Paul for not going down from that. What that hard? First clean shot he landed. Swelling underneath the right eye of Logan Paul. I guess it was harder than it looked. Largely from that left hook from Floyd Mayweather. Uh, Logan took a couple big deep breaths. Round four and Mayweather coming right after Logan Paul. He's going right on the offensive as Mayweather. And the younger Paul just has, looks like Floyd has so far been able to stay safe and now put on the pressure to where he's tiring out Logan by just pressing forward, getting him on the inside, making him react to faints, making him react. And then when Floyd gets on close enough or all the way on the inside, a little bit of dirty inside body boxing, couple, another chopping left hook right there. Floyd, in fact, initiated the, like, kind of like I said, more of like a grueling war of attrition. Oh, no. No. There we go. There's a right hand connecting by Logan Paul. Paul throwing. That was his best punch of the fight, I would say. That right hand that just connected. Yeah, you can tell Floyd wants to keep... Logan on the back foot, keep him working. He feels like he's getting tired because they separated and then Floyd immediately, you can see he's jumping right back into, into range, pushing Logan back. And they tie up for a minute. Second they split up, Floyd's right back in his face. High guard, walking forward. Ooh, Floyd got touched with a jab right there. Ooh, another good left hook. The lead right hand Good shot while Logan was in the corner. Logan Paul going backwards. He's getting tattooed. Ooh, whiffs on a hard left. <laughs> you can tell Floyd's trying to turn it up. Logan looks a little tired. He's backing up. Looks like Floyd's trying to turn it up. He's got Logan stuck in the corner. Oh, okay. Tie up again. Logan's arms are getting a little bit heavy, a little bit slower. Final 20 plus seconds of this well, he's walking him from ropes to ropes, corner to corner. Credit to Logan, though, when he gets in trouble. He's tying up, turning out, and they're getting separated. And Logan Paul is starting to show some fatigue. Mayweather just getting started. He has... <laughs> Mayweather's hanging on Logan at the end of that round. But Logan Paul puts his hands on the ropes. And I think Mayweather knows that he's starting to get to Logan Paul. There's that right hand that connected by Logan Paul. His best punch. Like behind the, the ear a little bit. Yeah, you think that Mayweather didn't like that too much. 
And he responded there. We'll see if Floyd will turn up the heat here in the fifth round. That left hook. There's Floyd Mayweather with Nate Jones, his Olympic so teammate. Four rounds down, going into the fifth. Where's your pool bets? Where's your prop bets? What round did you guys have? Commentary. Logan Paul trying to tie up Floyd. And Floyd going like Ooh, left hook. A left hook connecting by May. Threw a right hand after but missed. And you could tell taking a big deep breath was Logan Paul. Another but left hook, right hand, left hook. Might be going on the attack and possibly trying to feel like he could get Logan Paul out of there. His hands are down. Logan Paul. Looking out that jab, but Mayweather in complete control. Mayweather looking for his Ooh. opening. There's a right hand. Lead and right. Floyd he tried to throw to again. And push. Logan Paul off of him. Logan Paul's exhausted. Absolutely yeah. exhausted. He is. And he's being booed. And now Floyd looking for his opening. I think it's only a matter of time. Yeah, that. Lead but right. Pull two. Ooh, right up, uppercut. Logan threw a one-two, leaned over, overextended, and then Floyd caught him with an uppercut. And Logan Paul has ate some shots. I give him that. He has a chin. Even though he's fighting a 44-year-old Floyd Mayweather. He's 35, 34 pounds lighter than ever. But Floyd's hanging on Logan, hanging on his arms, tiring him out. I would have thought Logan would have had to use more offensive wrestling to try to wear on Floyd, but it was the other way around where Logan was using defensive wrestling to try to tie up Floyd at times when he was getting in hot hot water. Now Floyd's got him backed up again in the corner again. Keeps backing up Logan into the corner, and then they kind of faint, figure out the game, and then Floyd throws a lead left hook or a couple shots, and then... If Lloyd, Floyd, if Logan doesn't get caught, he ends up tying up. But you can tell he's in survival mode at this point. He calls him out. He's calling. Jake Paul's calling out three rounds to two. Floyd Mayweather. 
I can't believe this shit's going down. I can't believe it. Upstairs, boom, right there on the nose. Logan's right, though. Just by being here, he's already won. Like, just by being in this position, so. It's different. It's not the same thing as what the purists love, so I, I can understand the, the reluctance to embrace this, but it's a whole different thing, and it's can't fight the ocean. It's obviously happening, so I'm going to try to enjoy it for what it is. And you got to give the man credit. He got himself into this position, and he's in the sixth fucking round. <laughs> but exactly, Floyd is at this point in 100% control, trying to figure out the best way to get this fight finished and do it in, with style points. He's got him backed up in the corner again, just fainting him. Left hook, forearm, right hand. Left hook to the body. Yeah, he's not giving him any room to breathe. Nice and close on the inside. Oh, he ties him up again. Yeah, he keeps framing off the, the face Logan and the jaw, shoving him whenever they tie up. Yeah, they were saying some shit in the clinch there. And we tried to pull two, we missed it. He touched him, blazing shot. There. 
is Logan Paul. Y'all hear that? If we had judges, you would have lost the point for holding. Stop holding. There's the ref. These are the rounds that I'm most excited for because I don't think Floyd wants to hear about this guy not getting finished. So here we go. See, there's the narrative already. Saying something to him in the clinch. I don't know what. Like Floyd's gonna be so pissed. It's gonna be like bitching and complaining. It's gonna be problem child all over again. Oh, that was a good left hook by Floyd.
second pull has made it. Eighth rounds, or at least entering this eighth round. I think that says something. Yeah, he's going to hold this whole round. He's going to try to do everything he can in his power to get through this. Because it's a win. It's a, it's a straight-up win if Logan gets through this without getting finished. Floyd Mayweather and Logan Paul. Can Logan Paul survive these final three minutes? Logan has a, some hop in his step. And if you're Mayweather, Mayweather is extremely aggressive now. Either yep. way, this is an exhibition. Let's it doesn't go. count against either man's pro record. There's a left hook upstairs. And now more booze cascading here. And the ref Bucks got a lot of, like, got his exercise Miami. tonight, breaking these fools up. Dear life in the corner. Standing there. They're both standing there. Ready to tick down. And he went the distance with Floyd Mayweather. And oh that's my the gosh. Fight. Incredible. As it went the distance. Incredible. And Jake Paul is trying to get in the ring. He is so excited. He's pumped up. His brother went the distance against Floyd Mayweather. I want to hear what Floyd has to say. <laughs> I do. Oh, Jake's probably going to go live right now. So, Floyd Mayweather and uh, Logan Paul go the distance. If you'd have told me that to begin the night, I'd say... Highly unlikely 
but he showed tenacity. Did Logan Paul. And there will be no winner announced. We're already at an hour and 20 on this episode. I hope this was entertaining for y'all. I'm deciding whether or not I want to stick around for like post-fight interviews or not, but I might as well, I guess. There wasn't a whole lot of action to speak of in the fight, so I guess we'll wait for the interviews. And Logan, I heard him yelling off screen to Jake. It's now it's your turn. Bob Ware there. And now we are gonna send it up to our ring announcer, Jimmy Lennon Jr. With what to say? I don't know, because there's no reason for Jimmy to talk. But here he is. Well, as this bout goes the distance, we've all had a rigorous eight rounds of exhibition. How about a hand of appreciation for both of our fighters, Floyd Money Mayweather, Logan the Maverick Paul. All right. Okay, so... Are they going to interview him or not? Brian Custer's in the ring, and the one celebrating is Logan Paul. Well, he has every right to do so. He went the distance with Floyd Mayweather. Again, this doesn't count against their professional records. It was an exhibition. People had fun. And Brian Custer is getting ready to get in the ring. And he's standing by with Floyd Mayweather. He went eight rounds with you. You said this was going to be entertainment. What would you think about this? I had this? fun. You got to realize... I'm not 21 anymore, but it's good to move around with these young guys, test my skills, just to have some fun. Great young fighter, strong, tough. He's better than I thought he was. There you go. What'd you think about him? What'd you think about Logan Paul? He says he wants to take this sport seriously. What do you think about him? As far as, as, far as with the big guys, the heavyweights, it's going to be kind of hard. But um, he's a tough, rough competitor. It was, you know, good action, have fun. And um, I was surprised by him tonight. Good, good little work. Good guy. Did you enjoy? This, oh yes, this I had tonight. fun. I just want to thank all the fans that came out. You, you guys are unbelievable. To all the fans that bought pay per view, thank you. Tonight was a fun night. So it begs the question: If you had fun, you fought a much bigger guy. Will we see you do another exhibition? Oh, yes, I, fought, I fought against a heavyweight. But I had fun, even though he don't got that much experience. He knew how to use his weight, and he knew how to tie me up tonight. So I had fun. I'm pretty sure he had fun. And um, hopefully the fans enjoyed it. And if that's the case, you would like to do another exhibition. He's got his brother. You know his brother would certainly love to fight you. Oh, uh, We don't know what the future holds, but I talk it over with my team and, and see where we go from there. You got to realize I've been in this sport 25 years, and I understand that I'm not... 21. I'm not 25, but I have fun tonight. Yeah. Appreciate it, Floyd. Thank there you, you go. There you have it. Logan? Got to get you in here. Hey, look. You said you were going to show Floyd Mayweather there are weight classes for a reason. What do you think you proved to yourself? What do you think you showed Floyd Mayweather tonight? Shit, man. I don't want anyone to tell me anything is impossible ever again. 
The fact that I'm in here with one of the greatest boxers of all time proves that the odds can be beat. I'm the maverick. I go right when they go left. I'm the unorthodox one. I'm the independent one. And everyone has it in them. And everyone can beat the odds and do great things in life. And I want everyone to know that. That's the message I'm here to say. Floyd Mayweather, it was an honor. I hate being a dickhead. I love you guys. I love all you guys. It's one of the greatest moments of my life. Damn, I'm happy. What does that say to yourself that you got the opportunity and went all eight with Floyd Mayweather when there are a number of people thought he would stop you? You know, I mean, you never know with this guy. You never know with this guy. Like, I, I'm going to go home thinking, yo, did Floyd let me survive? Like, he's one of the GOATs, and in many ways, he controls this sport to the T. That's what makes him great. It's an honor to grace the ring with him. It's an honor to grace the ring with him. Man, I don't know. This is the coolest thing ever. I'm happy I made it out. He's tough to hit. He's old, but he's tough to hit. Yeah, he's not even that old. <laughs> so what's next for you? I don't know, man. I'm probably going to go in the water, go to the beach, raise my hands in the air. Another fight? Floyd Mayweather, Logan Paul, too. I don't know. Let me get a little better. Maybe I can end it next time. Logan, thank you very much, Thank guys. you, thank you. Thanks for coming out, everyone. I love you! Tomorrow, back to you. All right, so some Logan Paul fans, he shakes hands with Sam Watson, Leonard Ellerby. He went the distance. Floyd Mayweather had some fun. And wow. Chad All right, Johnson well, there you have it. Let me turn this shit off. Involved in a matchup. All right, that's done. That's over with. I hope you guys found it entertaining. Again, it's a long-ass episode partially because of that, partially because we have the recap from the fights from last night or, yeah, last night, Saturday. And then I do want to break down and give you my picks for UFC 263. It's a fucking loaded card. Switching over to some real fights. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, 14 fights. There's, got a, there's a whole lot to talk about. Of course, we've already ta- I've already said we got Israel Adesanya facing Vittori in a rematch. And then there, uh, obviously, the 185 middleweight title is on the line there. Then the co-main event, Brandon Marino and Davidson Figueredo fought to a draw. So they're rematching for that title as well. And then a five-round main event, non-title, non-main event, sorry, uh, for Leon Edwards versus Nate Diaz and a lot of other fights as well. So give me one second just to pull up all that info, and then I'll go down the list. We're going to try to burn through some of the ones lower on the card to save some time, but uh, let's do it. Starting at the bottom, the first fight on the prelims, Carlos Felipe versus Jake Collier. I'm going to go with Jake Collier only be, mainly because he's an underdog, and I think this is kind of a coin flip fight. These guys are both both elusive, kind of quick moving on their feet heavyweights. Uh, the plus 160 underdog Collier to the minus 185 Felipe. I think it's worth it to get those points. On paper, he's just a little bit more accurate and has a little bit more volume. Hits a little bit le- uh, or gets hit a little bit less. His defense is a little bit better, so I'm going to go with Jake Collier to get this one done. And then moving up the card, we have an actual coin flip. The second fight, Ferris Zion versus Luigi Vendramini, I think. They're minus, both minus 110 on five dimes. It's, it looks like a very evenly matched fight. 11-3, Zion versus 9-1, Vendramini. Vendramini uh, has a 3-minute, 45-second average fight time with his two fights in the UFC. Both guys have one loss and one win, both coming off wins. So I think this is going to be an evenly matched fight. On uh, on paper, strikes landed per minute is a little bit in Luigi's favor, so I'm not sure which way I want to go on here. Let me take a look at the odds real quick. Uh, again, I just said actually that, that it's a coin flip there. I don't know. If this one changes to where there's an actual underdog the night of the fight, I might 
go that way just because it looks like these guys are very evenly matched. But for now, I'm going to go with uh, Ferris Zayam to get the victory just because his most recent fight and win is over Jamie Malarkey, who I think is a very, very tough uh, fighter and very good. So I, I'm going to go with that momentum and think and hope that he gets the win. And then the next one, Chase Hooper. Uh, Chase Hooper, and who was it? You got Chase Hooper, Ben Askren, and Sean O'Malley, and now recently singing and dancer Jack Hermanson asked to be part of the family after his most recent win. He's got curly hair coming out now. Uh, but Chase Hooper is actually also showing on five dimes as a complete coin flip, even money fight, minus 110 to Steven Peterson's, also minus 110. I don't know much about Peterson. Obviously, Chase Hooper's... Uh, more in the know, in the limelight. People know who, he, who this kid is. Youngest fighter in the UFC when he first started and uh, had some up and downs coming off. I think he had uh, that loss to Caceres and then he bounced back and got a win uh, over Barrett. And then also Peterson is coming off a win against Bravo. On paper, it looks like this is also pretty evenly matched. These guys are both young. I don't know, again, much about Steven Peterson. He's 18-9 and nine overall. A uh, little bit shorter, so Chase Hooper, of course, with that uh, frame, has a little bit of a height and reach advantage. So I'm not sure. We're, for now, I'm going to go with uh, with Peterson just because Chase Hooper, to me, seems like he's got a lot of holes that were exposed in his last couple fights, and he was lucky to get out with a victory in his last one. So I think uh, he's not going to be so lucky in this one. So Steven Peterson for the win. Let's see. Next one, we have Frank Camacho versus Matt Favola. One of the more interesting fights on the prelim card. 22-9 and nine, Camacho. I think this is his third fight at lightweight. He's former welterweight. Haven't had a lot of success. Lost to Darius and then Justin Janes. Now he's uh, facing Matt Favola, who himself is coming off a loss against uh, Edwin Saryukian. Uh, but before that, he had a win over Luis Pena and Jalen Turner. Draw versus Ven Venata and then lost to Reyes. So, both these guys, uh, it's interesting because this is at lightweight, and again, Frank Camacho is former welterweight, but Favola is gigantic for 155 also, so a couple big boys for the division. 5'10 for Camacho, 5'9 for Favola. A little bit longer reach for Camacho as well. Yeah, on paper, at least, he lands more strikes per minute, and I got to go with my boy Camacho because that young man earlier, I was talking about Blake earlier in the podcast, the post recently that he posted was uh, helping Camacho get ready for his fight, and he looked, they both looked in great shape. Camacho looked shredded, so I'm going to go with a little bit of a homer pick here uh, to help me make my decision and go uh, with Camacho, but let me take a look at the odds real quick. Let's see, where are they? All right, so Camacho is the underdog. So hopefully if he can come through and snag those extra points as well. So Camacho for the win. And moving on, we got Alexis Davis, Davis versus Pani Kianzad. I'm going with the favorite, minus 220 uh favorite Piani Kanzad to get the win I think she's younger fresher yes Alexis Davis Davis has been around she's a veteran of the game but Kianzad has proven to be able to like stop most most of her opponents who want to take her down because she's a threat on the feet big for the division hit hard, hits hard for the weight class and I think she's going to be able to stop those takedowns and pull out the victory over Alexis Davis so Piani Kanzad to get the win and now we're starting to get into the meat and potatoes of the card next one featherweight fight Mobzar Ivalev versus Hakim Dabadu this fight is a contrast of style Although Mavzar is one of those guys who's got uh, a lot of pedigree and a certain like wrestling and grappling, and everyone you know is expecting him to utilize that, but he loves to stand. And he's 14 and 0 versus Dawadu, 12 and 1. Dawadu is also extremely powerful, very big for the division, and he hits hard. So uh, I think Mavzar is going to try to grapple this guy. Dawadu is going to need to 
be he's going to have to get drained. He's going to have to be basically Avalov's going to try to get through the first round, get weather the storm, and then I think he's going to come on later in the fight, and I think he's going to pull it out. Let me double check the odds also because this one's got to be close. Let's see. Davidu is actually a plus 210 underdog to minus 250 mobs are Evilev. Yep, going with the heavy favorite to get the victory here. I think Davidu could definitely catch him, and if he does, that's it could change the course of the fight, but Evilev has proven to have a good chin in his, in his previous fights as well, so I think he's going to get this one done. Moving on to women's flyweight, I think this is pretty much a perfect candidate for a number one contender bout uh, to face Shevchenko, so it's kind of like be careful what you wish for, but Lauren Murphy versus Joanne Calderwood. Um, these girls have both like Joan Calderwood was, uh, had a title shot and then she lost. And then Lauren Murphy has, has strung. Let me see here. It looks like four fights together, four fight winning streak. And then Calderwood bounced back off that loss to Jennifer Maya with a win over Jessica. I, so now they're facing each other and, and I'm pretty sure this, the winner of this fight is going to go face, uh, go get that title uh, shot against Shevchenko 14 and four Lauren Murphy versus 15 and five Joanne Calderwood. Um, I don't know. I definitely think this is striker versus grappler. And I think John Calderwood has had a propensity to like, for instance, even in the Jennifer Maya fight, excuse me, that was, uh, you know, one of her main flaws in that fight. Yes. She's got excellent striking. She's got good, good Muay Thai. She's got the range. She's tall. She's long. Let's see. Yes. Yeah, she has a height and actually it looks like, uh, she has a one inch height advantage, but, um, actually a one, two inch disadvantage in reach to Lauren Murphy, so that's interesting. I actually think Lauren Murphy's going to be able to get her to the ground, like unfortunately you've seen happen to join in her other fights, and I think she's going to be able to get uh, pull out the victory, which is interesting because the odds right now have Lauren Murphy as a plus 120 underdog to minus 140 join Calderwood, uh, so I'm hopeful that she'll be able to get the victory, get the title shot, and give me some underdog points, so Lauren Murphy for the win, which takes us to the next one. Very interesting rematch between Eric, your boy Anders, and Darren Stewart. They most recently fought, let's see how long ago was this, uh, they most recently fought each other, and it was a no contest because Darren Stewart uh, got kneed while he was a downed opponent in the head from Eric Anders, who Eric Anders was clearly on his way, in my opinion, to finishing that fight at the end of the first round and just made a, an error, a complete error in judgment. And uh, so, yeah, they have they rematched it. I think the odds flipped because I think Eric was, Anders was the underdog last time. And now Darren Stewart uh, is coming back into the fire, and he's going to prove that he, you know, just maybe start got a cold start or got caught early. But, yeah, Eric Anders, Darren Stewart, they're running it back, and I'm going to go with the favorite this time. Eric Anders, I think he also is able to get it done inside the distance. There's no method for this one, but, yeah, I think Eric Anders, this is going to want to be going to be one of the ones you want to make sure not to miss. Uh, Eric Anders to get it done. And now we've come to the featured prelim, Drew Dober versus Brad Riddell. 9-1 Riddell versus 23-10 Drew Dober. And keep in mind, this is just their MMA records, but Drew Dober also has a previous kickboxing and Muay Thai career. And Brad Riddell is known before MMA of having a stellar kickboxing and Muay Thai career as well. So this is going to be a stand-up banger. I think this fight is easily a contender for fight of the night. Um, in, in fact, I know there's a lot of other potential contenders on this card up when we get into the main card, but I'm going to go for it. I'm going to throw two points on Drew Dober versus Brad Riddell being fight of the night. But as far as who wins this fight, let me take a look at the odds. Brad Riddell is a plus 115 underdog to minus 135 Drew Dober. Um, and I'm going to go for it. I'm going to go with Brad Riddell. They've 
had a tough streak as you know with through coronavirus when they were displaced from New Zealand and they had to be in, you know out of the, they had stayed in, in San Diego for a long time and they just had a tough go but I think they've been back at home they've been putting things together he's on the same uh putting things back together he's on the same card as Izzy defending the title so I think Brad's going to come out and have a chip on his shoulder and I think he's going to make this one exciting for all of us and I think Drew Dober is the perfect opponent because like he said in, in an interview he's just going to come forward and you know he does so expect fireworks in this fight and I think Brad Riddell gets the victory and then moving on Paul Craig versus Jamal Hill if you guys know anything about Paul Craig this guy likes to go out and get his ass kicked and then pull out a submission late in the fight his last fight he actually you know changed that up a little bit ended up taking out Shogun Hua in more devastating fashion than he normally, more exciting uh, showing than you normally see. But Hua is a little bit over the top, over the hill and past his prime. So can't take much from that. But Paul Craig taking on Jamal Hill. And Jamal Hill only has an 8-0 and record and four, versus 14-4 from Paul uh, Craig. So he has a little bit more experience, considerable actually. And Jamal Hill is, is, is kind of striker versus grappler. It's not kind of, it definitely is striker versus grappler. Jamal Hill is going to come out there and looking to put out the lights of Paul Craig. And Paul Craig is going to be looking to try to get it to the ground and hopefully submit Jamal Hill or maybe even take him into deep waters. And then, you know, when he's tired, maybe even ground and pound him from the top. But ultimately, Paul Craig is not going to want to stand on the feet against Jamal Hill. And uh, let me take, I think Jamal Hill is actually a heavy favorite. Yeah, he is. He's a minus 280 favorite to Paul Craig plus 240. Um, definitely Paul Craig, if you know anything about this guy, has the chance of pulling something out. But I'm going to go with the heavy favorite, Jamal Hill. I think he's going to be the first one to be able to not let anything that Paul Craig does on the mat affect him. He'll be able to sprawl and brawl, keep it on the feet, and end up taking out Paul Craig inside the distance. So Jamal Hill for the victory. Which brings us to the next one, which is a very intriguing matchup. Minus 225 favorite Bilal Muhammad over plus 185 underdog Damian Maya. So obviously you guys know both these guys have been around for a long time, but Damian Maya has been around forever. And did you guys know that he's won three of his last five? And the only two people he's lost to in that five fight streak is Gilbert Burns, former number one contender, and the actual champion Kamaru Usman. It's pretty incredible how well Damian Maya has been able to keep himself relevant in this division. And he's got a certain set of skills. You guys know there's no secret. He's going to be coming forward and striking hard just enough to close the distance and get his hands on you because he wants to try to submit you. That's just the way it goes with him. Everybody knows and just for like kind of like Khabib most people can't well no one could with Khabib but for Damian Maia most people can't stop it and you guys know Bilal Muhammad likes to come forward he likes to put that pressure so he's going to be having to try to you know wait his way through that fucking bear trap in order to inflict damage but not get submitted so it's going to be really interesting I'm not too confident going with this you can't ever be really too confident going against Damian Maia but I think Bilal is going to be able to stay safe and hopefully not make me sweat stay out of those positions where he doesn't have Maia like on his back and aside from that, I think he'll be able to, to pull it out, keep the constant pressure, and get the decision victory. Uh, but, yeah, I think Bilal Muhammad, again, I feel like, you know, the fact that he's as big of a favorite is – I think it's going to be a more competitive fight than the, the numbers reflect. But I, I do think Bilal Muhammad is able to get it done. Which brings us now to the first of three five-round fights. This one, Leon Edwards versus Nate Diaz, man. The odds makers ain't giving my boy any love. He's a plus 415 underdog to minus 525 favorite for Leon Edwards. I think that's the biggest odds discrepancy on the card by far. And, uh, yeah, you know, like I said earlier, you know, hopefully everyone knows that Diaz 
brothers are cardio machines and they're durable as fuck and they're grinders real fighters and want to just take you into deep waters and whether it's overwhelming with strikes late or submit you they're not uh known for taking you out early and rocky edwards man i'm really worried for my boy nate diaz in this fight thought the matchup didn't make sense when it was first announced and i'm just like damn my boy's willing to fight anyone like he says kill or be killed and i just think he gets a win here and he puts himself right there at the top of the food chain again even surpassing masvidal but possibly for a shot at the welterweight title who would have thought that about nate diaz it's just incredible so i think he has a chance if he could stay safe and not get taken out early to bring this fight into the fourth and fifth round and uh if if they get that far, I feel like he has a strong chance to be able to come out with a victory, but I'm not confident in it. And I, you know, I am again just kind of showing love to the Diaz brothers. I'm a homer. Uh, it's always going to be a homer pick for me when they're fighting, and I'm always going to ride with the Diaz brothers. So Nate Diaz for the win. And since this is uh, a five-round fight, we are going to be doing method of victory for all of the three fights at the top. So that being considered. Fuck it. If Nate gets the win, then he's definitely not going to be winning a decision if he drops the first three rounds. So I think fifth round submission, Nate Diaz. Let's go. And now we've arrived at the co-main event, a rematch for the flyweight title. A draw. This is the last time when the guys, these two guys fought. Brandon Marino versus Davis and Figueredo. Uh, this one's really, really exciting to me. Uh, this is the other one on the card that I think could very easily end up being the fight of the night. Uh, Brandon Moreno, plus 205 underdog to minus 245 favorite for Davis and Figueredo. I'm going with the underdog Moreno to get this done. Short and sweet. I just think that last time they were very evenly matched. Figueredo was uh, in great shape and was, you know, he had stuck around uh, from his last fight to fight Figueredo and was using the PI to help him cut weight. And I think, um, you know, this fight was very close last time. And I think it's going to be a five round decision again. Like I said, a very, very high potential for it to end up being fight of the night. Uh, but I think Moreno's got him figured out. I think he went in there, you know, not expecting to win last time, proved to himself that he definitely could stand and bang, even at points with the most dangerous. You know, everyone's so worried about Figueroa's power, and I feel like Moreno felt it straight on the chin, knows and has the confidence that if he gets into a tough spot, he'll be able to weather that storm and is definitely willing to engage. As you guys saw last time, he's got that Mexican grit. These guys are both super fast, both hit very hard, and I think Moreno's going to come in and push the pace even more and eventually get Figueroa extremely tired late in the fight. Not be able to put him away, but I feel like Brandon Moreno's going to end up uh, edging out the decision in this one. So, of course, Davison is extremely powerful and extremely dangerous early, but uh, if he doesn't get him out of there earlier, I think Brandon Moreno's going to be able to get this done. So, Brandon Moreno for the win. Let's go. Okay, and then now we've arrived at the main event. Plus 205, Marvin Vittori versus minus 245, Israel Adesanya. And also a rematch from a previous fight. Not when Izzy was the champ, but still early on in his career. It was the tougher tests of uh, his 185 uh, career in the UFC. And I think that both of these guys have definitely improved. Most definitely improved. I think Vittori um, still has some deficiencies in the striking realm, but he's a threat everywhere. He's extremely powerful, durable, comes forward. Likes to get a hold of his opponent and take you down. And has a lot of top pressure and extremely powerful ground and pound from the top position. So, of course, everyone's going to point out how it went when Jan went up to 205. I'm sorry, when Izzy went up and faced Jan at 205. And that he was able to kind of expose that if you take Israel down and uh, negate his abilities on the feet, you know, you can most definitely win the fight. And I think Izzy, 
Uh, kind of bit off a little bit too much for, than he could chew going up to 205, and I think he's really itching to make a statement and remind people how much of a dominant force he is. Don't get me wrong. I don't think it's going to be easy. I think he's going to have to fight off some of those takedowns. I think he's going to have moments where he's got his back up against the fence and he's going to be in danger. But I think it's it's going to be it's going to go late into the fight, and I think it could be shades of the Kelvin Gastelum versus Israel Adesanya fight. Um, but I think ultimately I think Adesanya will come out the victor and for now I think actually you know I'm going to go with the decision I think uh, there might be some tough spots I think he potentially could lose some rounds but I think Israel Adesanya retains the belt and gets the victory but that's it that does it for this week's installment of the D-Love Special Sauce Podcast. Hope you guys liked the show. If you did, go over to Apple and iTunes. Give us a five-star rating and a positive review. While you're there, turn the notification bell on. That way you're on top of all the most current content. And if you're already supporting a small independent podcast, please do check out and support all the small businesses that support us just like you guys by listening every week. We got Monique Taylor with Strong Women Designs. We got Dream Loud Collections, my girl Nora, custom handmade jewelry. Check her out. OC Party Rentals, Paint Bay, The Journey of a Modern Day Painter, Upper Glass Tent, Eden Buttery Pancakes is getting people shredded. Vargas Auto Spa. California Shirt Smith. Check out Justin for some custom print works. Blake Builder and the Builder System. Mac Noodles Abachi Chef. Ricardo with Neighborhood Auto Care. Sauce Meals. Angie Snyder. And of course, he loves Duke Tonic. But last and not least, MMT Fitness. Make sure to check them out on Instagram. Make sure to go out and check out the gym. Exit Avery Parkway off the 5 Freeway. First class is always free. Tell them the DLSS Podcast Center. But that does it for this week, guys. Until next week. Week, same time and same place. Enjoy the fights.